0: You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. Good morning, good morning. Good to be with you guys. Uh, Man, it is great to see so many new faces and some old as well uh, through our summer services. And so excited to be with you guys today today. Despite the heat that's going on in the valley, uh, you know, we're at North Valley, we're still having tons of fun, and sometimes you got to go inside. So this last week, I took the staff team out. We went to the main event. Um, I got a picture right here. We're playing laser tag right there, and being a hunter and an outdoorsman that I am, you would think that I would have crushed it. I got last place. I had junior high kids shooting me up. I was terrible. Steven in the background, he got first. His tag name was like Phaser Man or something like that. And so it's very embarrassing because they go up and they put it on the wall of shame. And so, and everybody's like, who are you, Pastor Ryan? I'm like, yeah, let's not talk about it. You know, I had 300 points. Stephen had 3,000 or 5,000 or whatever. I just claimed everything was broken. It wasn't working right. So, uh, hey, our kids are having a bunch of fun here at the church. I want to say thank you to all of our volunteers. Uh, you know, it's Water Days at North Valley during the summertime, and so I wanted to give out a special shout out to our volunteers, and uh, they're having tons of fun over there. The volunteers are the ones that actually bear the brunt of it. They're not as excited about Water Days as the kids are, um, but they, they suffer through it, and they have a lot of fun in the process. So, getting kids here is important. Uh, About a third of our church is kids and youth. And we say at North Valley, we want to gather, grow, and go. And gathering folks in our community, there's a lot of folks that are moving in. And as a church, uh, we need to be faithful to make sure we're creating environments and ministry uh, platforms where folks just want to naturally gather. And then we invite folks. I know a number of people that have been inviting friends during these uh, summer months. July is one of our highest attended uh, first-time visitor uh, months out of the year. Um, And that's because there's so many folks moving into the valley. So if you're new, so glad that you're with us. Um, We're in a a teaching series called Summer in the Psalms, and it's going to be a a great morning this morning. So uh, last but not least, while I was on that kids subject, be praying for and pursuing perhaps. We're needing some additional help within our kids and youth department. So if you know of somebody in the kids arena or youth arena that would be interested in a part-time job. Uh, perhaps if they're super wonderful folks, maybe we would hire a, one full-time person to cover both of those. So I want to encourage you to be thinking about that as we're nearing uh, towards our fall kickoff. Our fall kickoff to uh, early August, and we're going to kick off in the Gospel of John. I'm going to be teaching through that. Uh, the idea is going to be it's just truth for everyday life. So I want to encourage you to be a part of that. Invite your friends and family to come on out. So today, here's what we're doing in the, in the summer in the Psalms. Um, Uh, uh, Let me ask you a question first. How many of you have ever been uh, recommended maybe a Netflix series or an Amazon Prime series before, and you watch the first episode and you're like, "This. what What do people see in this?" You know, how many of you would go so far and admit that you actually, despite your initial setback, you're like, "I'll watch a few more episodes," even though you thought it was bad. You know, so then you're cranking through and you're watching several episodes, and then you're asking the question, "Does this get any better?" Uh, maybe you ask the question, maybe I'm not cinematically sophisticated, if that's a word. Um, and you're asking, what do people see in this? Why do they like it? But you watch it anyway. Uh, today, what we're going to do, we're, for those of you that are just joining us, we're looking at some of life's biggest questions in this Summer in the Psalms series. Uh, last week, I answered the question, what's God's purpose for our lives? Next week, I'm going to talk about what's wrong with us. Uh, But today I want to address the question, will life get any better? Will this get better? Um, Last night, how many of you watched the, the Suns game? Raise your hand. Okay. I don't know. Um, D Book, Devin Booker, I messed up his name in the first service, called him Mark Booker. Somebody's like, you don't know anything about basketball. I'm like, you're right. I screwed that up. Uh, Mark Booker's one of my buddies. He's a physician, came out of Purdue. Great guy. His name is Mark Booker. So every time I see Devin Booker or hear Devin Booker, I call him Mark Booker. And so, uh, but last night you saw in the game, right, that last little fourth quarter move when you think, oh gosh, it's getting better. It's getting better. And then all of a sudden Booker goes down and he loses the ball, literally, uh, pun intended, he dropped the ball. And then you ask the question, This you definitely knew, this is not getting better. And so today, what we're going to do is we're going to address that question, will life get any better? And Maybe you feel like everything's going great right now. And you're on top of the world. Uh, you're thinking, uh, I'm good. Uh, well, like I say, uh, oftentimes at North Valley, either you're in a trial right now, or you're going to be in a trial, or you're just coming out of a trial. Trials and hardship come all the time. Jesus said, in this world, you will find trouble, but but take heart, because Jesus says, I've overcome the world. And so today, what we're going to do is look at not only how you survive through the troubles and trials that you go through, but how do you thrive through them. And so today, we're looking at starting out with a a pretty doom and gloom passage out of the Psalms. um, And we're looking at kind of the honesty of a a believer going through really, really difficult times. And he cries, moans, gripes, complains, the whole nine yards. Then we're going to look at the next chapter, Psalms 89, about uh, uh, realizing that there is a new day, there is hope, don't give up, keep moving forward, trusting God, it's all going to work out. As trite and cliche as that may sound, it's so important to have the right plan and the right perspective. When we feel like this question comes to our heart or to our head, will life get any better? Um, so let's look at the, the Psalms 88, uh, kind of a doomy and gloomy passage. Uh, verse 1, he says, Lord, you are the God who saves me. Day and night I cry out to you. May my prayer come before you. Turn your ear to my cry. Asking God, would you listen to my prayers? Would you would you hear what I have to say? Verse 3, he shares how he's doing. I'm overwhelmed with troubles. My life draws near to death. You ever been there before? You ever been so troubled, so overwhelmed? You're thinking, I don't know if I'm going to make it out of this. Verse 4, he says, I'm counted among those who go down to the pit. I'm like one without any strength, without strength. If you've been there before, you feel like all your strength has been, the life has been sucked right out of you. Whatever situation you find yourself in, problems at work or problems at family, he says, I, I'm without strength. Verse 5, he says, I'm set apart with the dead like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more. He's mad at God. He's saying, you don't remember me anymore. It's not true, but that's how he feels. And so he's recording it for us. And that helps us to understand what our honesty in our own situation. He says, who are cut off from your care. Verse 6, you've put me in the lowest pit and the darkest depths. Your wrath lies heavy upon on me. You have overwhelmed me with all your waves. Verse 8, you've taken... Well, uh, taken from me, my closest friends, and I have been, I have made and, and made me repulsive to them. I'm confined and I cannot escape. My eyes are dim with grief. I call to the Lord every day. I spread out my hands to you. Uh, do you show your wonders to the dead? Do their spirits rise up and praise you? Being sarcastic here, verse 11, he says, Is your love declared in the grave? Your faithfulness in destruction? Uh, Verse 12, are your wonders known in the place of darkness or your righteous deeds in the land of oblivion? But I cry to you for help, Lord. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me, from my youth, from very early on in his life? He says, I've suffered and been close to death. I've borne your terrors and in in despair. Your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me all day long. They surround me like a flood. They've completely engulfed me. You have taken from me a friend and neighbor. Darkness is my closest friend. The end. Man, that is depressing. I do not want to wake up and read Psalms 88 when I'm trying to get encouraged and find some inspiration on an early morning. Um, it doesn't end with anything happy ever after, no night in shining armor, no, just doom and gloom, no sunshine, no rainbows, just a dark cloud. And the question comes as to why. Why is that in God's Word? You may be asking, why would God put such a discouraging, depressing message in the Bible? What could we possibly learn from something like this? Well, like I said last week, uh, the Psalms do something for us that we desperately need in today's time. It gives us an incredibly clear authenticity and vulnerability about life. Even for the believer, even for the Christian, everything is not just peach and roses, sunshines and rainbows. Uh, everybody goes through a hard time. Uh, the Psalms capture for us a true experience of the human life. It captures the good, it captures the bad, it captures the ugly. And it doesn't leave us there, though. It doesn't only capture that. It also gives clarity on how do you respond in life's challenges. In other words, how do you get through this? Let's be open and honest and say, not everything is okay, but I want a plan. I want some clarity on how to move forward. Uh, Let me just help you relate to the psalmist just for a minute. We read Psalms 88. I think the, the writer captures for us. Uh, perhaps a very common emotion that you and I have at times. Anybody that's a hard driver, very ambitious, can feel the setbacks, the frustration, feeling an emotion of frustration. Listen to the psalmist. He says, I'm overwhelmed. In verse 3, he said, I'm overwhelmed with troubles and my life draws near to death. Let me ask you a question. You ever been so overwhelmed before? Maybe you got in over your head in a business deal or some relationship deal or something happened where you felt like you were literally, you're out of control. You're overwhelmed. The boat is sinking. There's no, there's no end in sight. He says, uh, I'm overwhelmed and my life draws near to death. I believe it's probably literal in his case. Um, sometimes there's folks that struggle with uh, panic attacks and such anxiety that they feel like they're dying and they're not really dying. And so then they call 911 and the uh, folks get there and they say, you're just having a panic attack. And then the doctor just says to you, you need to cut back. You're too stressed out. Uh, That's where he is. You ever been there before? Additionally, he's been personally betrayed. He says in verse 18, he says, friend and neighbor have deserted me. I've become repulsive to my closest friends. You ever been unfriended (laughs) from Facebook or Instagram? And you're like, I thought we were friends. No, you're not. And then all of a sudden you're ignored. Perhaps you've been betrayed by somebody that you cared about. And that hurts. And you act like it doesn't hurt. Well, it does hurt because you're human. Uh, He's personally betrayed at a deep level. Have you ever been betrayed so bad you've been cheated on by a spouse? You ever been backstabbed by a buddy? You ever been hung out to dry by a coworker supposed to have your back? They don't have your back. That's betrayal. That's where he is. He says uh, he's also struggling with chronic pain. All of us go through pain in life. Every single one of us have pain in our life. Some of you, you have chronic pain. And I I, uh, befriended some folks uh, through the years and and kind of learned about their chronic pain. And sometimes if you're not struggling with a lot of pain, you kind of want to write it off like, oh, you over-exaggerate it. It's not that bad. Until you get chronic pain. And then you're like, oh, God have mercy. How do I do this? I remember I was helping a buddy move um, out of uh, his, get get out of his uh, uh, move houses or whatever. And I hurt my back. It was early on in the church. And I had major back pain. And it was sciatica. Went all the way down to my heel, all the way up to my neck. I had headaches. It was, I couldn't even, my wife said, "It's, it's time to go to the doctor. When I sat down on the chair, I was crying. And I begged my kids to put on my socks that's chronic pain. I was there for about two years. And so then we spent about $20,000 or whatever it was to get to physical therapy. Doctors said, just smoke a little marijuana. And I thought that wouldn't be good for PR. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not, I could just, I fast forward my life and I saw myself on the back porch, like, <sighs> <laughs> and then the chiropractor said, just come back to me and smoke a little marijuana. I'm like, even though I have permission, I don't think this would be profitable for me. <laughs> I did physical therapy. Chronic pain. That's where he is. Some of you are there. And so you ask the question, man, is life going to get any better? How am I going to make this? Uh, Some of you are there. Uh, He's in chronic pain and it's not going away. In fact, he's lost. He says in verse 6, he says, I'm in the darkest depths of life. You ever been in a really dark place, metaphorically? It's just kind of like you're not thinking right. Your attitude's wrong. Somebody says to you like, "Uh." You don't seem right. You ever been in a dark place, literally? Uh, not too long ago, we went down to Karchner Caverns in State Park. It's got some two miles of pathways into all sorts of caverns underground. And at some point in the tour, they do this really cool thing they cut the lights. And I'm going to get scared. And I, I looked at it and I thought, well, how dark is this darkness? And I'm like, literally, I've got my hand in front of my face and I'm like, I can't, my eyes open? I can't see anything. Um, that's dark. Here's the reality for some of us perhaps today. Some of you may feel that the pain has blinded you and you're totally lost. You're in the darkness. Uh, Some of you feel that way about the problems that you're facing. You feel lost when it comes to trying to fix your marriage. You feel lost when it comes to trying to straighten out your relational life. You feel lost when it comes to parenting. You feel lost when it comes to breaking free of an addiction. You feel lost when it comes to getting right with God or getting your life back on track. You feel lost on how to be successful again. In verses 16 through 18, he says, in a sense, this. He says, I'm wiped out. In other words, the psalmist in Psalms 88 is saying, I'm a train wreck. I'm a total train wreck. I'm not getting better. There's no hope. It doesn't end with a happy ever after. It just ends with, it's all doom and gloom. You ever had a friend there before? You're like, dude, you are not in a good place. You are like stuck in your bed. You don't get out of bed. There is a better life ahead of you. Take a step. And maybe you're there today. Well, good news with the Bible is there's more to the story. Psalms 89 opens. And I'm just going to point out a few different passages to help summarize the chapter uh, to see the range of emotion and the range of the human experience from doom and gloom to some sunshine, to some hope around the corner. Verse 1, the psalmist says, I'll sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth, I will make your faithfulness known throughout all generations. Here's what I love in Psalms 89 in that chapter alone. The word love and the word faithfulness is repeated, both of those words, seven different times. And whatever is repeated ought to be very important to you. If it is God's word, the authoritative scripture for your life, if it's repeated over and over, it's like you've ever been there before with a, you're training your kid or training somebody at work and you're like, okay, now don't forget to do this. Don't forget to do that. Don't forget to do this. Now you already told me that. Yeah, I know. I'm telling you because it's super important love and faithfulness is mentioned over and over again. Here's what I would argue. Here's the sneak peek for the whole message. God's love for your life, making you, molding you, forming you, shaping you, is all over your life forever, and His faithfulness is there forever. And if you can get that, I think you're going to be just fine in every situation you find yourself in. So, Psalms 89 opens with that, and it kind of Summarizes so much and it gives reason and understanding to the rest of it. Let me just get to verse 9. He says, You'll rule, you rule. He's talking about the God. He said, You rule over the surging sea when its waves mount up and you still them. Many people in that day, uh, they used the sea as a metaphor for the great unknowns of life, the uncontrollable power of, of certain circumstances and situations. Maybe you find yourself in a sea of chaos. And the psalmist says, you rule over that. You rule over the surging sea. Verse 12, he says, you created the north and the south. He's doing a little Hebrew poetry here. He says, Tabar and Hermon sing for joy at your name. Those are mountains. And it it talks about, uh, verse 13, your arm is endowed with power. Your hand is strong. Your right hand exalted. In other words, there's nobody like God. No matter what comes at you, at any direction, God's still powerful and in control. Number one, three indispensable truths I think that you should not live without. Number one, I would tell you, is that God is in control despite the chaos. In any season and time in our life and our culture, um, people clamor whenever there's um, governmental shifts or major storms or whatever be the case that happens in life. Um, we see uh, crazy uh, new heightened levels of violence with school shootings, uh, political, racial hostility. Here's my message to you. God's in control despite all the chaos. He's still in control. He's still king. He's still, he's still got this. Right? In verse 9, we read that God rules over the raging sea. The raging sea represents chaos. We experience in this life, it's the unsolvable illness My message to you today is that God's still in control even when there's chaos for you. The unsolvable illness that you're going through or somebody else that you love is going through. The unfathomable accident that took place. The unforeseeable job loss. The unending parenting problems. The unexpected death. The uncontrollable addiction. The unwanted conflict the unsolvable relationship issues, and the unending pain that you feel, my message to you is God's in control of all that chaos. He's still in control. And so, Psalms 89.9 tells us that God rules over this surging sea. God is not under the chaos. God is not behind the chaos. He's not beside the chaos. God is over the chaos. meaning that he's bigger than your chaos. He's got a power to bring peace in the midst of whatever storm or situation that you find yourself in. Uh, It says when the waves mount up, you feel like you're drowning in a sea of chaos, that God can still them. Like he has that power to do that in your life. And maybe it's in the midst of the chaos that you find that peace and that ability to kind of just navigate through with it. I said this in the first service, but it's like, this is so important that you understand this because the world wants to know, why be a Christian? Why be a believer? And the answer is because there's life in Jesus's name. We have an unestimable amount of power and strength and supernatural, extraordinary means of God's grace and strength in our own personal lives, but we need to access that. We need to claim that. And if we fail to do that, we lose our witness in the world, and we suffer more ourselves. And so, despite all the chaos, God's still in control. Verse 12 through 13, God's Word is telling us uh, that He stands guard from the north to the south. He'll take whatever comes your way, and He can turn it into praise, and no power can overcome Him. He's got your back. He's got a plan for your life. Uh, How many of you guys have seen the movie, the old movie, The Gladiator? You seen that movie or some of those war movies maybe where the Vikings, they, they had these, uh, and the soldiers a uh, long time ago, they would use what's called this uh, a shield wall. And whenever there was a threat or an attack, the soldiers would line up and build a shield wall all around them. There's an incredibly protective uh, power in working together like that. That in a sense is what the psalmist is saying in Psalms 89, he says, you got my back. If anything comes from the east or the west or the north or the south, you got me covered. That's where you're at with God. When you're placing your faith in Jesus Christ, there's nothing that can come against you, no height, no power, nothing that can separate you from the love of God. His faithfulness will chase you down in your life. He'll use every bad setback situation for His good and for, uh, and for your good and for His glory. That's the good news. And so here's what I want to tell you. Number two is that God's delays are not God's denials some of you are in a really tough place and you've been uh, asking God to answer your prayers and they're not coming through. So you're mad at God and you're frustrated at God. Well, I want to encourage you just because he delays in something, it doesn't mean it's a denial. So most of us should keep asking, keep pursuing. The psalmist says in Psalms 88, Basically, that he can't see any evidence of God's uh, steadfast love. Even in Psalms 89, he says, How long, Lord, will you hide your face from me? It's as if they're thinking that God has abandoned them simply because he's not getting the results that he wants in the time that he wants. I think that's us. I think that we're an impatient people oftentimes. Everything's instant, you know? We get frustrated when things don't download very fast. Kids today, I mean, like they want... uh, perfect Wi-Fi everywhere. Everything goes so fast, and you order it, and it just shows up like we didn't. If you've been around a while, that wasn't always like that. And so we have an instant gratification culture that wants everything fast, and I think that bleeds into our spirituality, that we think that if God doesn't show up fast enough, He's not coming, so, you know, forget God. We have a tendency to think that God doesn't answer our prayers or give us what we want, and because he doesn't act fast enough. But I'd like to help you illustrate a couple of things about this. First of all, think about the life of Jesus Christ. Maybe you've heard the story before, but Jesus being omnipotent, all-powerful, he had the ability to literally heal people from their sickness. Uh, Mary and Martha, friends of Jesus, uh, during Jesus' earthly ministry, had a brother by the name of Lazarus who was deathly sick. I mean, he's on his deathbed. In other words, what happens is, is they send out word, and they're like, Jesus can heal people, get them to our house. Our brother's really sick. And guess what? Jesus doesn't come. He doesn't come in time. The guy who's deathly sick, uh, Lazarus, dies. Mary and Martha come to Jesus, in essence, say, you got to be kidding me. You, you could have saved his life. You didn't, you didn't show up on time, God. What is this for? And Jesus, in a sense, basically says, I did this so that the glory of God could come through. I didn't come just to heal him. I'm coming now to resurrect him. And he performs a miracle, and he says from the grave, he says, Lazarus, come up on out of there. And right then and there, a lot of scholars and theologians say that if Jesus would not have said his name, then perhaps uh, thousands and thousands of people would have risen from the grave, but he calls his name. And so my point is to you is oftentimes is there's a divine delay in your life. There's something that's been delayed for a long time, and it's a divine delay, meaning don't give up. Just trust that God's going to work it out. It might not be according to your plan. It might work on plan B or C, but a divine delay is a good delay. And a delay doesn't mean a denial. So you just keep asking. You keep going. If sometimes you got to get to a point in life where the vision that you had for your life, it's going to die and you let it die. I literally have had multiple times where I've had vision funerals. And you're thinking, what are you doing? Well, listen to this. There've been times where I'd paint up vision and ideas of what I wanted to do. And then I realized it's not working. I get real frustrated. So I remember one time I had a burn barrel in the backyard. I said, come on out, kids. Come on out, wife. Let's go out here. And what are we doing? I said, we're going to have a funeral service. (laughs) They're like, dad is not in a good place. I'm like, we like, black, you know, let's just do this thing. So I get out there and I start burning all my, all my ideas and vision. And I let it go down in the ashes and set my hand over it and said, if you want to resurrect this, you do it because I don't know how to do it. Sometimes uh, there's a delay in your life and you got to let it go. You don't know how it's going to work out. Uh, some of you are at a spot where sometimes you feel like... Uh, you're at the end of your rope. Well, good news is you're at the end of the rope. You got no place to look but up. And that's right where God wants you. See, he is king and we are his servants. He is creator. We are his creation. And the worst thing we can do is try to control every part of our life, but rather we say, you're in control. Despite all this chaos I'm going through, you're in control. The point is, is that God's delay doesn't mean God's denial. This is why Jesus said, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be open. So listen, my friend, when God closes the door, it doesn't mean you should quit. Keep going, keep knocking, keep pursuing. If God's put something in your heart, the Bible says that God places desires in our heart and that we're to lean into that desire that he placed in our heart if it's for good. It does good for people and good for others. Then just keep going in it. The Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. In other words, when you come to church, when you're singing, when you're worshiping, when you're praying and you're like, God, I'm enjoying you. I love you. I want to live for you. Then the Bible says that he'll put the desires in your heart and that's what you should go for. So many people come up to me and say, I don't know what to do in life. I'm like, what do you want to do? And if they're Christian people, they look to God's word and look to live out God's truth, I'm like, do whatever he put in your heart. That's what you're supposed to do because what the world needs to see from the Christian church is for folks to say, I'm alive, man. I'm doing what I feel like I'm designed for. So some of you have been delayed for a long time and today perhaps you just need a little encouragement to say, it doesn't mean that God's denied your requests. Just keep going. So, I want to encourage you a passage that somebody gave me when we started this church some almost 10 years ago. Uh, it says, do not grow weary in doing good. At the just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Galatians 6:9. Persevere. Push through. Keep going. God's delay does not mean God's denial. Number three, I'd just say, is that God is present in the pain whatever pain that you're going through, whatever struggle you have, uh, He's still present. And I think the problem is, with you and me, is that we tend to think like this. Look at that phrase on the screen. God is present in the pain. Here's reality. We believe that, perhaps, at face level, but behind the scenes, we feel like this. God is absent in the pain. So then we say things like this. Where are you, God? Why are you not working? I've tried. I did this. Come on. And so we feel distant, cold, and numb. The problem is, is that we think the opposite. We tend to think that God is absent in the pain. And I asked the question to myself while I was studying this week, and I thought, why is that? Why, why do I think like that? Why, do, why would you think like that? I think it's often because that we think about the pain in our life far more than we think about the presence and the plan and the purpose of God. So if you were to just do the math or hear this statistic, according to research, psychologists say that we have about 6,000 thoughts every day. Some of you with uh, over-busy minds probably have a lot more than that. Some of you that don't sleep very well, you're thinking thoughts at night, so it's higher than that. But according to psychologists, we have an average of 6,000 thoughts per day. And here's my uh, idea. I suppose that if there's pain in your life, your thoughts begin to follow the pain. And so whatever the problem is that you have, most of, the, uh, of your thinking comes to that. My wife and I were discussing this and she actually brought in the insight and she said, I'm tired of thinking about the problems. I want to think more, I want my mind to be more preoccupied, not with the problems that we face or the challenges or the setbacks, but more about God's promises, more about God's plan, more about God's purpose, Oh, that is much more a good, emotionally healthy, spiritual mindset. So what happens is this is why all throughout the scripture, it's like, do not fear, do not fear, do not fear. Oh, the the idea of the Christian life is supposed to be a life of faith, not of fear. It's supposed to be a, a life that says, despite all the pain, I still believe, trust in the presence and the power of God in my life. That's good stuff. So I think it is because we struggle with all the pain, so whatever pain or problem that you have, remember, don't let your thought life center around that. Um, Instead, focus on the presence of God. And some of you might feel like God is absent. I love uh, church history. Martin Luther, the 16th century reformer, uh, said this about uh, God being absent in people's life or feeling abandoned. Uh, he said this, that he regarded the cry from the cross when Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus is crucified on the cross and he cries out this prayer, God, basically, why did you abandon me? Uh, Luther goes on to say that these are perhaps the greatest words in all of Scripture because in them, he said that we see that God faced abandonment in our place. In other words, that he took On the wrath of God. He took on the punishment of sin, and he felt the isolation. He took the abandonment and the isolation that we deserved. He took it on himself so that you and me never have to. In fact, God's Word tells us that there is nowhere we can run from His presence that He's with us. The New Testament tells us that God's Spirit lives inside of you and me, all who believe in Him, and that He's always working for the good in any situation that we face. And to ensure that we get it, the Bible says 83 different times this Bible verse that you probably, never heard, or probably heard before saying this, that God speaks and he says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. So you have a God that's never going to leave you. Maybe your dad left, maybe your mom left, God won't leave. When you have a situation like that, you can tend to polarize uh, other issues in your life. God's not going to leave you. You're safe with God. So, what do we do? You put this into practice by doing two things. Number one, you pray. You pray to God, uh, and you take your problems to God. Uh, Just last night, I woke up in the in the uh, early morning, around three o'clock in the morning, and I started thinking through different problems or challenges that I was facing. And literally, my mind was racing, and I couldn't go back to sleep. And so, I'm thinking, "Oh Lord, I I need to get some rest. I got to preach three services. We're doing a gather event, four speaking engagements. I'm going to be exhausted." And then I felt like the Lord said this, well, just practice what you preach. Take your problems to me. And so in that moment right there for my mind, those 6,000 plus thoughts, I think a day and more because I wake up and think a lot, um, I'm thinking, what do I do? Well, I begin to think about your presence, your power, your plan, your purpose. And so I laid in bed at three o'clock in the morning and just started giving thanks for all of you, for my family, for the church, for my life for my kids, for what's going on in my life, the good things. And I want to tell you, then I fell asleep and I felt real good. And I think the reality is that you and I all have that issue where the problem can pervade everything we do. And we don't need that. So I say pray. MC Hammer said you had to pray just to make it today. Those of you that are young, you're like, I have no idea who MC Hammer is. Don't worry. He was bad to the bone, had some hammer pants, vanilla ice in him, had some wrap-offs or whatever, you know, they were, anyway, all right, we'll be quiet with that, (laughs) so here we go, so take your problem to God, and then secondly, just praise, praise God for his faithfulness over your life, that's what I was talking about, be grateful, you know, most Americans pray, and I'm glad they do, and most Americans actually do, this is what they say they pray about, they give thanks, that's good, give thanks, a heart of gratitude is the best attitude, amen? Listen to this story, I'll close out. A story sometimes is worth a thousand sermons. Let me share you a letter, uh, Share with you a letter from a woman who went through what I would say her own Psalms 88, the doom and gloom, and couldn't see Psalms 89. She says this, if you had asked me what I was thankful for before September, I would have said, I'm thankful for my family, my home, my job, and for God, for a husband who loves and cares for me, Four children, ages 14, 11, 9, 5, who are healthy and happy. I'm thankful for a home I never dreamed we could have, for a career that allows me to work from home. But in October, my Christian husband completely left me out of the blue. And our children for someone else, who left her husband as well. This other family were friends of ours. We'd vacationed with them on three separate occasions. I thought we were close friends. She goes on to talk about it in a letter about her disputes with her husband, uh, the devastation to her kids, and then she says, "Now, uh, a year later, my husband is still gone, still with his new family. Uh, he told me that we will be part of our kids' lives, and they will too, and I just need to get used to that and not hate her. My kids are still dealing with the impact their dad left. They're depressed. Angry, confused, and frustrated. My oldest has started questioning his faith. He's rebelling against all authority, lashing out at his family. My house is up for sale, a short sale. We could, it, we could turn it into, a, it could be a foreclosure. We have no idea where all this is going to work. We have no idea where we're going to move. And yet in the midst of all of this, I can seriously say that I've come to know God on a whole different level to see him work in a way i've only heard about people talk at church you see i i've never been a, a big i've never had a big tragedy in my life never really had to depend on god i mean sure i prayed and i saw god work but not, never like this i i'd never had to rely on god truly just fall and rest on him when i needed god's comfort the image in my head was me clinging to christ and him holding me up my image now is me just completely, utterly collapsed. And he's carrying me, and it is awesome. In the midst of this horrible situation where my whole identity and where my family has been attacked, I do see glimpses of what God is doing in my life and how our lives are being changed. And I get excited to see how I get to be and who I get to become at the end of all this. My friends, that's called perspective. That's called holding the big picture. Seeing God's love and His faithfulness, that He's in control of any and every situation that you find yourself in. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank You that You are in control despite anything that we go through. I thank You that You're good. You've always been good, all the days of our life. And Father, we come to You right now and ask for strength and courage Uh, to take your word seriously, apply it into our lives. And when we're doing good, give you praise. Father, when we're doing really bad, give you praise. And Lord, through all that will be a deep level of trust and transformation in our own lives. And so we call out on you and say, you be the king. You're in control. I'm trusting you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give today at northvalleychurch.org.